Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode is sponsored by Headliners Dance Championships, the competition for dancers by dancers coming to a city near you. You can register for the 2023 Regionals Tour at reg.headlinersdance.com and our listeners can use our promo code CODPFREE for a free solo entry. Follow their social media pages including Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at at headlinersdance or email info at headlinersdance.com for more information. Thank you, Headliners Dance Championships, for sponsoring this episode. Take a look at this episode's description for more details. Welcome to Conversations on Dance. Before we get started, be sure to subscribe to the podcast through your favorite app to be automatically notified of new episodes when they go live. While you are there, please take a moment to leave us a review. Leaving a review takes just a second and goes a long way in helping us grow the podcast and supports us in this endeavor. We appreciate you joining us today. Now, let's get to the episode. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. We are thrilled to talk about a special children's programming co-production between Miami City Ballet and the Joffrey Ballet called Rita Finds Home. We are joined by the choreographer, Amy Hall Garner, and Miami City Ballet Director of Community Engagement, Monica Stevenson, to talk about how Rita relates to children today, why it was important to create something entirely new, and how it's different from other works traditionally geared towards young audiences. Tickets to Rita Finds Home are entirely free, so if you're in the South Florida area, you can reserve yours at miamicityballet.org slash home. Good morning, Monica and Amy. Thank you both for joining us. We're so happy to have you on the podcast. Monica, this marks your third time, and we always love having <laughs> you on. It does. <laughs> I love being with you all. <laughs> we we love having you. But Amy, we got to get to know you a little bit. Um, so we're going to try to, you know, in in five minutes or less, tell us your whole career. Um, <laughs> no, just uh, we'd love to hear a little bit about um, your dance education and what sort of direction professionally that sent you in. Um, okay, so first off, dance education. 
Uh, let's start there. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'm well, Alabama, born and raised, so I'm a Southerner. Um, and uh, I started, uh, you know, my mother put me in extracurricular activity when I was three. Uh, she wanted me, um, she's a flutist, and so she wanted me to have um, these gorgeous dancer legs because she always admired dancers. So she's like, when I have a daughter, ballet, so she could be graceful and have these gorgeous gazelle-like legs. Um, so that was, that was like her mindset. And that particular teacher um, saw something in me that I didn't see. And, you know, my, that, you know, my family didn't see, she happened to be a June, a former June Taylor dancer uh, who had moved to Alabama with her husband and she opened up a, a dance school. And so she had that dance school for like one or two years and she stopped. And, but she took me on as uh, a private student, uh, for that, for a long time. And I used to, um, I used to take private lessons in her church basement and we used to do ballet and ballet was, that's like where the first love of ballet came. I ha- I was on like a single bar, those metal bars that made your hands smell a certain way. Um, yes, if, that's funny. If you know those bars, but exactly what I'm talking about. Um, they're like those wrought iron metal bars and, and we had player. And so we started um, in her church basement, you know, with first position. And that's kind of where I had, that's where the love started. I mean, it was very, it was like a very sacred space. And so I've tried that with me throughout my career. You know, I, I went on to dance at dance studios in the, in the, in my hometown. Um, when I finished, uh, when I finished with, uh, Miss Sheehy, that's her name, Dory Sheehy. When I finished with Miss Sheehy and I did the Nutcracker all through school as one does in, in a, in a ballet school. And, um, and then I also did dance competitions at the studio. So I did, I was a, I, I went to the ballet school and then I also went to the dance studio. So I had two of the, I had two of the worlds. And I say that because that's kind of like my education in dance. So I had really concentrated environment as a bun head. And then I had jazz tap contemporary and the other head. So I'm like my movement when I choreograph now is like a fusion between all of that. Little did I know that that would happen, but that's kind of where that right. education and all that started to, started to um my foundation if you will started to build and fast forward to after high school i went to juilliard for college and then um you know it came time to be in a dance company to audition for schools and i mean audition for companies and um i ended up going another route i went to the more musical theater route um and i ended up fossey and so that just kind of propelled my career into musical theater and more commercial work instead of becoming a member of a dance company and going that which I had always trained that for that, but then it was just mm-hmm. fine. Like I said, it was the best of those both worlds with my foundation. That show kind of served all of that. So um, mm-hmm. my hope, that trajectory. And so later when I started to choreograph, um, I kind of came back to my roots, if you will, of concert, dance, um, ballet. I still graph in theater um, and I do that. But right now it's mostly concentrated on like where my roots are. So even though I didn't perform as a performer, um, in like the ballet company or modern dance company, contemporary company, that's where I live in terms of my creating right now. So, um, yeah, that was like maybe seven minutes of my dance. No, 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 no. But you know, that's, you know, people always ask me like my style and I think it just comes from my education and my background, what I studied and what I know and what feels comfortable to me. So mm-hmm. I had all the worlds collide 
and um, doing something like Rita finds home, all of those worlds kind of collide because that's storytelling. So that's theater, you know, that, you know, telling the stories through throughout with the narration, working with um, a writer and an illustrator. So having all that knowledge from that, from my theater training, and then also having the ballet vocabulary and, and, and the movement. So, you know, I'm finding in my career things happen for a reason and you are where you are, but you just have to go through whatever you need to go through to get there. And some things are now uh, 20 years later, you go, oh, this is why I had to experience that so I could be able to do this. So, um, yeah, history a little bit. Yeah. I wonder what um, brought you to choreography in the first place. So what was the first thing that made you like, hmm, maybe I should be making some dances? Um, I did a lot of, I, I took composition class at Juilliard um, when I was a freshman and a sophomore. And then I continued, you didn't have to t- continue, but I continued into my uh, junior and senior year. And then I stopped. I was like, okay, that was just for school. I had fun making dances. I'm going to perform now because that's what I really want to do. And it was a friend of mine, um, my very good friend, Darrell Grand Moultrie, who's a choreographer. And uh, I used to assist him, but to rewind even before that, before assisting, he would always say, Hey, you have a really good eye. You should come in the studio with me while he would make dances. And I would always just stay and, and look and clean and say, Oh, I wonder if she could do this. I wonder, think about this. And, uh, it kind of started from there. So he was very influential and saying, you know what, you have a voice. Uh, I think you should, you should push this voice. And, and, and he, is so supportive even to this day of my choreographic journey. And I think it just takes people who actually believe in you more than, more than you believe in yourself. Cause I didn't see myself as a right. choreographer, but you had to be one of these other people to, you know, to have this thing to choreograph. I didn't realize that I do have some of the tools to do that. So I came to it through my own exploration and then, then to reconnect to it from a, a friend who is very supportive. Yeah. That's how it kind of, you know, two different, two different avenues leading to one street. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Well, we definitely are going to hear a lot more about your choreographic journey, but first I want to catch up with Monica a little bit. We last had you on, uh, I think almost exactly a year ago. And for anyone that would love to just delve into Monica's whole life, we have two episodes with you, <laughs> episode 141 and 270, um, where we talk, of course, extensively about your career and then and being an educator and, um, you know, all the good stuff. But I wanted to hear a little bit about what you've been up to in the past year. You've already, you already in that episode mentioned Rita Finds Home. It was a project that you were excited about. Were there any other irons in the fire that you, you know, you saw come to fruition over the past year or so? Absolutely. I definitely have to say Rita Finds Home is a highlight of my year. Um, At Miami City Ballet, you know, we planned for almost a year to bring Rita Finals home to Miami. So I would say top of mind really is Rita. Our dance education programs, however, have grown over the past year. So our program Explore Dance, which is after school dance training in the Miami-Dade County Public Schools, grew from four schools in 2021-2022 school year to now eight schools this school year. That's amazing. So it's doubled the impact. It's doubled the talent pool for the Miami City Ballet School, which is really one of our goals 
is to have a mm -hmm. pipeline from the public schools to MCB. So mm -hmm. it's been really rewarding to see growth in the after school dance training happening and also see improvement in the quality mm -hmm. of dance education. So we had National Dance Institute team come down from New York City and do a training with our teaching artists here. And it was so, so impactful that we want to keep implementing their methodology along with the MCB curriculum. And they really focused on how to teach ballet in an engaging way in the public school mm -hmm. setting. So how to make it fun and exciting and, you know, age appropriate. So I think the quality of the teaching has also improved in our dance education program. So it's been really rewarding, to say the least. Yeah. And I know right. last time we also spoke with you about the Ballet Bus Program, which um, started when Michael and I were there and is something that we've always found to be so wonderful. Can you tell us um, about that program as well? And if anyone's listening and wants to support these programs, because they are really important and you guys are doing great stuff, please share um, how people can do that as well. Yes. Ballet Bus is hands down one of a kind. It was really the program in the community engagement portfolio that attracted me to Miami mm -hmm. City Ballet to offer students from the public school system a full scholarship and transportation our little buses that go around really alleviates barriers to participation and mm -hmm. mcb renews those scholarships for up to 10 years so we're now seeing students in year seven and eight over half the uh, girls are on point now because they've mm -hmm. gone up the ladder so we're seeing good retention. I think the goal is to now that our students in Valley Bus that started from the beginning are in high school to see them be able to transition to the professional training division where they get opportunities to perform with the company, to do ballets like Rita Finds Home. Um, so that's the next goal is to start seeing students transition from the student division to the pre-professional division. So in a couple of years, I'm hoping that we'll see that. Mm -hmm. when, where can we donate? Yes, yes. Please visit the Miami City Valley website. There is a section where you can um, support and do your uh, commitment to a variety of programs. But Definitely consider directing it towards community engagement. I can say, especially something like Valley Bus, it is a significant cost to the organization. Um, and grants and government support help, but there's still a gap. So we need some right. individual support as well. Great. Of course, it's such an amazing program. Uh uh, let's take a second to zero in on Redefine's Home now, uh, which is such a cool project that is being performed throughout South Florida. Did it just have its opening week in South Florida recently? Yes, we opened February 3rd with a student matinee and then had two family matinees opening weekend, the 4th and 5th. So Rita is now out there in Miami. She's out there. Yes. 
And next, we're taking it to West Palm Beach next weekend and then to Fort Lauderdale the week after that. Great. Can we just hear a little bit about the origin of the project? Whose idea was it? Um, How did we get various artists attached to the project? Let's just start right from the very beginning, the first seed of an idea for Rita. Um, Well, I I will take that question. Uh, (laughs) um, Rita Finds Home started, I want to say we started um, the, not not the fall, the spring of 2019. That's when the idea to me um, by a former dancer by the name of Erica Edwards. And she at that time was working at the Joffrey Ballet in their administration. And she brought myself and Carla and Alisa together um, to try to figure out what can we, what story can we tell? How can we, um, how can we uh, form a ballet for young people? And so Carla and Alisa and I began talking on Saturday mornings, phone conversations about what we wanted uh, this project to be even before Redefines Home was a title before it was a story. And we would just have mm-hmm. you know, Saturday 30 minute meetings on the phone because that's when our kids were at home and quiet. And, <laughs> we, would just, and we would just, we would just talk and it kind of started from there. And we began to brainstorm some ideas and Carla uh, uh, Rivera, who's the writer, she came back one Saturday with this wonderful story. And we uh, both, Elisa and I, were said, this is beautiful. We love this. And we could see imagery in it. I could see movement in it. And that's how Redefines Home uh, began. And we kept brainstorming and kept, kept tweaking it a little bit. And so we finally met the fall of 2019 at Joffrey to present this amazing work to them to say, this is this is what we've come up with. This is our idea. And so um, mm-hmm. we're all excited about it and ready to go into 2020. And you know what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're all changed. We're all changed. And so we had to kind of put Rita on, um, we had to kind of put Rita on the side for a little while until we figured out what mm-hmm. we wanted to do. But we knew it was a special project. We knew that um, it was very needed. And even, I think, you know, timing is divine. Even after the pandemic, it's very needed. Uh, a, a story and um, a narrative for young people entering into seeing a ballet for the very first time. And so Rita was created uh, last summer at the Joffrey Ballet um, for, uh, I think we had 13 dancers. And we, we brainstormed and brought it to life. And it took us about six weeks to uh, create with everything it had premiered at Navy Pier um, in July. And so it's been a labor of love. It's been, it's, it's been uh, one of those things that it's taken the time that it, it, it is taken a, a little while for it to come to life. But I think um, what we have is really a special story and it's a story of um, empowerment. And I think everyone can relate to it. I, all young people can relate to it. Um, and it's just really exciting to see. Uh, that was the first time, I don't know if you know, Monica, that I saw it with a whole student audience at Sanctuary of the Arts on February 3rd. And just to see how they do it. You know, when we did it in Chicago, it was outside, so families were brought. But when you have kids who were by themselves with their classes, without um, their parents, they act a little different, you know, and they respond. <laughs> And the enthusiasm and just the journey that they were looking at her. I mean, it was just really special for me to witness that and to see how that may have been 
like the beginning for someone to even see a ballet on stage. So I, I took that very seriously. And I know Carla and Elisa both took that very seriously and we were very excited about that. So that's kind of a little bit of the backstory about how Rita came um, to life. And now it's here at Miami city ballet and we are, we're just really excited about it and loving the cast and loving everyone who has been so supportive of this journey and who's going to see Rita. And I, I also say that, um, you know, what's exciting too is Rita is bilingual. We have, there is a narration that goes throughout Rita, throughout the story. And we put it that way so that the kids could follow a story. We didn't want to just have a narrative ballet with just music. We wanted mm-hmm. to have it be the story and see how movement will tell a story, but you have to have a little help with a voice. So right. Carl um, is the narrator, Carl, the writer, she's the narrator through Rita and um, she has an English version and a Spanish version so that uh, all audiences can really take part in this and all families could take part in this. So it was something very special that, um, that, that we've done. And I, I'm really, really proud of it. Right. I would love to hear a little bit more about um, how, why creating an original story for 21st century kids mattered to you. I mean, it's it would be easier to say, well, let's commission Amy. You can do I don't know Wizard of Oz or you know any like princess fairy tale. Well, what was it about like having an original story that was going to directly relate to these kids' lives that made you excited or or eager to sign on and be involved in the project? Well, I think you just said it. I mean, it's something that was just original from us. It, it's it's came out of our brains. It came out of something that we discussed and we thought that there was a need for it. There was a void in that, you know, Rita is not a, she is someone who's trying to find her place in this world. And I think that's a very adult thing, but I think kids feel that way too. They're trying to find their place. And we wanted something that, um, and I say we, Carla and Elisa and I wanted something that spoke true to these kids of today and not something that was so, um, that wasn't a fairy tale, but but actually a fairy tale that could happen, and it could it you could see the positively. She could win the art competition. She could um, mm. be displaced by a storm. She could go to a new city and not feel right at school. But then also there are good people at school. And there there are friends that she finds and friends that she meets and teachers who are supportive. So I think we wanted mm-hmm. something that had the commonality of what kids experience today, and also was just new and fresh and and um, had like a new score, you know, even to it, like that you right. didn't hear the combination of different kind of music. Um, yeah, it's a whole bunch of things that I think that uh, students today, they want new. <laughs> right. they, yeah. They want to see something that no one else has seen before. What's the latest? What's the, what's the, what's the new hot thing? What's the new fresh thing? And, and I think that that's an attraction too, to see something that's completely new that, that doesn't have any history, that they're making history with it by seeing. That's really cool. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I love that particularly because I think there can be a stigma, right? Ballet is so old and boring and tutus and tiaras, right? And then if you try to get kids interested in kind of the newer things that are happening, it's just so neoclassical. Maybe it's more abstract. It's just harder to digest something like that as a child and the stories help. So having a story that's updated and, you know, they can identify with just sounds so groundbreaking in a way like it just makes so much sense and it's so wonderful um to hear that you guys are doing this and so i wonder uh, monica if you can tell us how miami city ballet got involved in this it started at the joffrey and then how did we decide to bring it down here to south florida absolutely i'm probably not the best person to <laughs> ask because miami city ballet committed to the project before i was hired gotcha okay so the first week on the job i learned about rita fine's home and they were basically like go make it happen so i instantly turned into a venue booking agent which i've never done before so i was booking <laughs> venues for rita fine's home organizing logistics we had Kara Zimmerman come down from the Joffrey Ballet of Chicago to help Amy set Rita Fine's home on the pre-professional division. So I really took on all logistics, um, really the first week of coming to Miami City Ballet. So I can't really speak to the origin of the relationship there. But it is a co-commission, meaning both organizations completely split the cost of mm -hmm. the production. Um, and it's really been great to see that. I think that most companies do a co-commission, of course, for a company work. This is mm -hmm. the first time I've heard of there being a co-commission for a children's ballet. And it's something that I feel is so special. I want to see more companies think about their youngest audience and how they're developing future audiences. And I think this is a classic example of that. But maybe, Amy, do you have a better sense of how Miami City Ballet came on board? I, unfortunately, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear it was through the pandemic that I heard that they were going to come on board with with um, with the draft rate. And this was going to be um, shared between both both organizations. So I knew earlier on in the process before I even started creating in terms of movement, I knew that right. there would be um, a joint venture in this. So I was in my choreographic and creative head. I always knew that there would be another set of dancers who would do this, not just wow. the set that dancers that I was presented with in the studio when we first started creating it. Oh, so that, that did, right. yeah, yeah, that did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I wonder, did that also influence your idea to have um, it be a bilingual, um, like have that option too with the narration as well, or was that already kind of in your mind? 
that was already in our in our heads when we started um, recording the narration. We mm-hmm. we came up with the idea that this would be something that um, communities in Chicago would benefit from, and also in Miami would benefit from. Mm-hmm. So that straight away with how we mm-hmm. approach the narration. Mm-hmm. Right. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the cast. Um, what are what, like how many students do we have involved, and what are the age ranges? Um, just tell us a little bit about the kids that you've been working with. Um, Monica, you probably could tell, tell them better than I can. I know it's a pre-professional division, their age ranges. I don't know specifically their age ranges. I don't want to, I shouldn't, um, but they're right on the precipice of going into companies, into apprenticeship. So it's a good, I will say that it is a good, um, it is a good learning tool for them to have something and have some ownership of a work that they're not just plugged into. Um, you know, they're touring this, so they're already getting that getting that exercise of how do you go from different stages and how do you mount different productions? The stage may be smaller here. The stage may be bigger here. I mean, those that's mm-hmm. all in, in a dancer's life that you need those tools and you have to have those tools before you enter into a company. Um, you know, even quick changes, small things that you would not think about, um, you know, how, where are your props located? the preset are they where they should be like those small educational things i mean it's only going to enrich them as they move on to that next level so i don't know specific ages and and where they are but i know that it this production more than the movement on stage that you see all of it that it encompasses helps them grow in such a unique way as an artist that they can benefit in and working with a choreographer and a repetitor, right? That they don't, it's so often in schools where you just work with your teachers that you're familiar with and you kind of know how that works. You understand how they communicate, but just having someone new in the studio is really important too. Yeah, that new energy. And and yeah, because a lot of times when I was younger, I never did meet the choreographer. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole different energy when the choreographer comes in. And, and then also, I mean, I could change things for the students that I see. To help that right. if I see something that, okay, this needs to be changed. This looks better if you do this. I could change it. So the reader that's in Chicago maybe maybe look a little bit different than the reader that's in Miami just because of the students and, and what they're capable of, which did happen. I mean, I, I made an executive decision to put there's a there's a um there's a role called the fountain. I said, let's put it on point. Why not? So now mm-hmm. she's on if it goes to somewhere else, they may be on point, may not be on point, but little things like that. I think, you know, it it helps like make it special to one organization or the other organization. And that's really cool for the dancers to see that things do change and, and how the trickle down effect happens with who does the role. You know, that's an education in itself as things change and more from one cast, to the next, from one incarnation to the next. So yeah, being open to that is also helpful for them in their education process. Mm-hmm. I can jump in a little bit as well in terms of the students. The Miami City Ballet School pre-professional students that are doing Rita are generally around 16 to 19. Um, So that age range, they're ready to tackle working with a choreographer, touring a production. As Amy said, it's such great education for them. Um, And the choreography is really challenging. And it's because there's a mix, not just uh, their classical technique on display, but also 
the acting that's involved, really being a storyteller, um, the contemporary movement that's involved. There are moments where they're on the ground during the during the storm and actually pulling each other and dancing with props. I know when I was a dancer, I hated dancing with props. You have to learn how to yes. dance. You gotta learn it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's really challenging. They're moving set pieces and have to have them in the correct order. Um, and we had one show where the buildings, they turned around and they were completely wrong um, in terms of the order of the set pieces. So it's so intricate. And it, it's what the students need to have that level before they go towards a professional career. I'm just thinking about rolling on the floor because Michael and I, not that was not our favorite as dancers. But I'm thinking that if I had done it as a student, when I would have really helped me a lot because when you were doing it in the company, I was just like, what is happening here? So it's so important to have all of those things and be exposed to things you're not always comfortable with and try it out there. It's much, much better to do than when you're in a company. <laughs> and just having performing experience generally, uh, you know, a lot of, well, maybe, maybe things are better now, but I think from our era, there was very much um, the end of uh, your training could be, of course, you're you're training hard, and that's important to take class and you know have that sort of all the the repetitive motions of like just doing technique over and over and over. But oftentimes, the only performing experience you're getting is your end of the year workshop or showcase or whatever you call it. And so then you're not exposed to the elements of what your actual career is going to be like. And so I think this sounds like such a beautiful opportunity. Um, and even just getting the touring, I love that it's going so many different places within South Florida. That's literally what Miami City Ballet, the main company does, you know, so you're getting that little taste of um, what it's like to have to adapt to every theater's um, differences, you know, I, I think yeah. it's just such a, a great thing for these kids. Yeah. The other thing I'm thinking of, too, is Monica, the last time we talked with you, we were you were talking about how it's important for the students to be able to see themselves on stage kind of, you know, to kind of relate with what they're seeing. And it made me think of how many dancers we hear say like, I saw the Nutcracker and I saw the kids on stage and I thought I want to do that. So I kind of wonder um, how that response has been. And like Amy, you were mentioning, it was the first time you'd been in an audience with all kids. What are you guys feeling from the audiences? What are you hearing in response um, to this? And Monica, we'll start with you and then we'll go to Amy. The feedback has been incredible. I think that because the story is about essentially displacement, you know, Rita and her family are in a hurricane and then she moves to the big city and starts a new school, has to find a whole new community. And I think so many people can relate to the story, including adults. Especially in South Florida, the reality is, is that most people have been impacted by a weather event or a lot of um, our community has a story of immigration from another country and coming to Miami or um, South Florida. So I think it's a story that can speak to everyone. And literally, I have seen adults with tears coming down in the audience because Everyone can relate to the story of being away from home 
And so I think that the response that we're getting is, yes, kids love it. It's exciting. It's vibrant. The colors of the costumes and sets are visually attractive. But parents and guardians and grandparents are loving it equally because it's a story that they can relate to just as much as a child. Um, so I think that's been one of the surprises is how moving it has been for adults in the audience. So the feedback has been great. The feedback we received from the school teachers that brought students to the student matinee has been wonderful. A lot of them attended the Nutcracker and, you know, just a little secret is we received better feedback from Rita because it's created specifically for children. It's only 45 minutes. The Nutcracker is a much larger ballet. There's not narration going throughout. It's, you know, if the school stay for the full performance, it's a two hour ballet. Mm -hmm. And so with right. Rita Fine's Home being 45 minutes, it's really digestible. And that feedback has been really welcomed because we're seeing that it's the right length of time for elementary school students right. that um, it's that's welcomed by the schools. That's what we're that's what we're hearing. Mm -hmm. Right. Amy, what about you? Well, I, I mean, I always say kids give you the honest feedback. And so sitting in that sitting at Sanctuary of the Arts um, a couple of weeks ago, I mean, it was just thrilling for me to hear like when you know, a lift would happen. They would applaud when a new character comes on, they applaud. I mean, Aww. things that ran it and like, oh, okay, she's entering into the stage, but it was a new character for them to see. And, and just seeing it, like they say, through a child's eye was just so refreshing for me. And, and yeah, because I'm thinking about it creatively, but then also thinking about it, if I was, you know, first, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, how would, how does this really look to me? And I mean, it was really thrilling to see, and I'm so happy that there's great feedback. And and I will say that it it um it is 45 minutes, and it's a packed 45 minutes in there. <laughs> there's a lot going on in those 45. <laughs> minutes. Um, but yeah, but it's it's um it goes by fast, and and it seems as though the the students that I did see that they they it held their attention, and they took the journey with Rita and her family, and that's what you want. You want them to take a journey and to be transported, and then bring them back into the theater, so that they when they leave the theater, they've had an experience. And I think that that the the students that day had an experience, and there was a wonderful um, teaching element. There was a teaching packet, Monica. Am I correct in in that? And there was some literature. Okay. That, that was wonderful for them to to have as well. That was that is um, alongside of seeing the production. They're actually reading about it. Mm -hmm. They're asking them questions about ballet that they may not have had with another experience, such as a Nutcracker or going to, uh, you know, seeing another production that's really educational for them. So I love the education component that they uh, that they couple with just seeing the production. That was exciting for me to see. Oh, wonderful. Right. I guess just as a, a, a way to close this out, I'd love to hear if um, how Rita has affected ideas for the future or um, if it sparked any possibilities about ways we can engage with um, young children and bring them into the dance community in the coming years. Let's start with Monica. Yes. 
I think that Redefine's Home is a model for what we should be presenting out in the community. Something that is culturally relevant, that really speaks to children and families. You know, Ballet for Young People, the series at Miami City Ballet, typically showed excerpts from classical ballets. So it might be the wedding from Sleeping Beauty, um, excerpts from some of the Balanchine repertory. Um, and what's exciting about Rita Finds Home is it shows that a story that relates to the lives of the residents that live in South Florida and live in Chicago is the way to go. It's not that we can't present excerpts from classical and Balanchine ballets, but how much more impactful it is when you tell a story that relates directly to people that they can see themselves in. So I think that this is a model for moving forward. I think the co-commission is a great model for hopefully other organizations to think about not just company work, but work for your school and your students and that can tour throughout the community. So for me, Rita Finds Home has definitely been a standard that I want to see us continue to live up to. Yeah. How about you, Amy? I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> I mean, I, that was, I think, yeah, I couldn't have said it better. Monica said everything. I mean, it, I will, one thing that I will say is that when I was creating it um, in the, the movement and, and trying to pick the music. And I, I always wanted to have something that kept young people engaged. You know, um, when, when you think about ballet, as you said before, you think about the classical mu music. And I think a lot, this music takes a journey. And I think that that helps with meeting the students where they are in terms of sonically, that they can dive in ballet and go, oh, ballet can be done to this music. Oh, it could have, it could have a, a different orchestration or it could have a beat. It could have different, different nuances that you don't think about just Tchaikovsky all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so really important. I think you have to meet people where they are and try to get them to, to see it in through their lens and go, oh, I can relate to this. This is for me. And, and it's something that um, I could see myself doing, or I could see myself loving and going to see. Yeah. Um, so that was really important for me in thinking about that to not stray so much from classical ballet in terms of what the students would hear, but just incorporating things that would be settling for their ear as well so that they could actually look at it and go, oh, this is for me. I can relate to this music. You know, all, all this are, are being elevated there. And I think that's what you have to figure out, especially moving forward, how, do, how can we move ballet forward, is how can we engage all the senses for young people to get them so that they can sit and then watch something so wonderful as a Balanchine repertory, as a Sleeping Beauty, and they could appreciate it then, instead of maybe just seeing it for the first time and not being appreciative, so appreciative of it, get right. them to, into it through a, a work right, like Redefines Home, that's important. And they go, oh, I remember I, I saw the tutu of the fountain dancer. She had the tutu. So now I see it in Sleeping Beauty. Oh, that's mm -hmm. the there, you know? And to start um, filling the gaps that way, I think it's really important. And I, and I love it. I wish more companies would do what Joffrey and Miami City Ballet have been doing and co-commission pieces that are relevant for young people to mm -hmm. get into 
ballet because that's what we need, you know. I just wonder as, as a last question, if Rita finds home might have another life in other places. I mean, we know that some presenters listen to this podcast, maybe some educators are there. And is there any way that maybe Rita finds home could, you know, expand to other places throughout the country? I hope it's a traveling show. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Let's move. Literally they move their own wheels. I mean, it was designed to be, I mean, we designed it, like I said, in Chicago, the first performance of it was at Navy Pier. That's outside with no wings, no light, just 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 the sound and the dancers and the set. So it can be done places in multiple venues. So, I mean, I would love for that to happen across the country and different organizations pick up on something that Miami City Ballet and Joffrey have put their finger on. I would love that. Well, thank you both for coming on and talking to us about this incredible project. And one more time, if anyone is in the South Florida area and they would like to purchase tickets to Redefine's Home, where can they find them? So we have a whole landing page for Redefine's Home. So it's MiamiCityBallet.org backslash Redefine's Home. And there you can reserve tickets. Um, for Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach. And we have one final performance in Miami on March 12th. And we'll put the link um, to the tickets as well in the description of this episode so people can easily find that if they wanted to. Ladies, thank you so, so much. This sounds like a wonderful production. I want to see it someday and take my son to see it. I bet he would just love it so much. It'd be so fun to do. So thank you both for your time. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.